everyone, and welcome to Songs on the Brain. My name is Phoenix Hart. I am a student in the Arts and Sciences program at Marinopolis College in Montreal. I'm curious to further explore the intersections between music, biology, psychology, neuroarts, and child development. For my first episode, I will be joined by Allison Usher-Jones, a music therapist who runs her own practice based here in Montreal, where I volunteered for over four years. I joined in on the Fireball Rainbow Girl Band, which consists of preteen girls on the autism spectrum. Being able to get to know these girls, watch them grow up, and witness the effects of music on their well-being has been a privilege. So I guess I wanted to start by asking you about your relationship with music growing up. Uh, Definitely when I was very young, uh, my dad always had a guitar in his hand. So when I was very young, it was a way to bond, I guess, uh, with him. And then as a teenager, very angsty, very typical, using music to express myself, uh, feeling empowered, learning songs of my favorite artists, and um, starting to write my own music, feeling like nobody in the whole world could possibly understand what it was like to be me uh typical teen stuff and and then a little later in my teenage years when I uh, I did a lot of babysitting I had a whole enterprise here in Montreal with my best friend uh and I then that's when I started babysitting kids with special needs and it was there it was one client I had Ezra who I still see today he started when he was five babysitting him and he's 19 so crazy and uh he was at the time uh completely non-speaking except he knew every single song every word to every song that he heard so he would really communicate through the songs try and find the specific specific songs that he would uh that could best express himself in in the situation and he would Mm -hmm. sing it and the whole family would get sing so I saw the power in music then I think I was must have been 20 maybe 18 19 or 20 something Mm -hmm. like that and uh so that's kind of where it shifted into a different gear um but been music has been a part of my life since day one from that point did you know that you wanted to study music therapy or was it still kind of an exploration it it was an exploration and I went to Maine with that family with the, the kid Ezra and we were at a shopping mall or like a strip mall or something. And I was singing different words to Ezra and he was singing them back to me. And a woman came up to me and said, oh, I'm a music therapist. You seem to be a perfect candidate to be a music therapist. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that was a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I must have been younger then. I must have been still in high school because I knew when I was, when I was, anyway. So... It was at that point that I Googled it and I learned what uh, music therapy was, what mm-hmm. the education path was. I was at boarding school at the time. So I kind of shifted all of my focus to make sure that I had everything I needed to enter um, university to, to do music therapy. Mm-hmm. And I did grade 12 in Quebec. We have Seja, but yeah. I did grade 12 um, so I could immediately go. There was no music therapy degree. Uh courses or anything in Montreal so I immediately did that and looked into different places okay I went to at first the University of Windsor which is not 
no longer, uh, they don't have a program there anymore. Um, and I immediately in the first year realized it wasn't the right fit because they were extremely music focused. Mm. So like people in my class were like clarinet majors and that's, they only had to work on clarinet for their whole degree for music therapy, for example. So it didn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when I found, uh, the program at Capilano University, which is, uh, a much more, I guess, uh, client-centered approach to music therapy where you're actually learning more how to work with different populations that would benefit from music therapy. So that's where I, so I, I, finished my degree uh over there okay so you have it's an undergrad yeah so my first two years of the undergrad and at Capilano University it's actually it's an undergrad but it's only two years okay. you can do your prerequisites anywhere so two years of prerequisites which is just your basic psych courses mm-hmm. upsettingly statistics etc <laughs> stuff that just doesn't mean it doesn't have anything to do with it mm-hmm. um but so I definitely um, finished off those two years at Capilano University, which was an undergrad. And then you have your 1,000 hours of free internship that you got to do. Mm-hmm. So I did that here in Montreal. Okay. Where did you, ha- where did you uh, do those clinical hours? So the, I think the most amazing um, experiences I had was definitely in Vancouver, and I think the most amazing was there's this school in Vancouver, which I don't want to say is the only one in the world because I have no idea. But mm-hmm. at the time, I could not imagine a government putting this that much money and time into a school for these specific kids for, with attachment disorder. Mm. So it was a school that was in-house. And wow. the way it worked uh, was the kids would get there early in the morning and part of their school was eating together, like at a table that was... So they were really working on attachment from like the ground up Mm. and classes, like it was just the priority was getting them to learn healthy attachment. And I was able to do my internship there and I was able to see how even, uh, I think I was there for maybe five or six months once a week or a few times a week maybe and even in that short amount of time with these kids who have such traumatic pasts and casebooks that are binders and binders um, being able to use music as a tool to help them with attachment not even attached to me Mm. because that's not the goal but just attachment in general with their peers with themselves it was it was such a cool experience because I was able to work in conjunction with the entire team which is the only way it it will work Mm. um so that was definitely the best experience in terms of learning and in terms of like actual music what were some of the exercises or like different approaches that they had to work on attachment there so I was, there was no other music therapist. I was the only one. So I was working with what my, uh, you know, we had, we had every week we had, um, classes where we would just discuss as a group, like, and they would give ideas and help. Um, but basically from, from what, from what I can remember at this Mm -hmm. point is I had them, 
I always had um, kind of gingerbread men type of papers that just mm. had a outline of a person and I would have them draw in um, how they were feeling that day and then we would improvise based on that and we would have kind of from beginning to the end of the six months and make um, kind of s- just trying to connect how they're feeling inside with colors or whatever because mm-hmm. a lot most of the time they're they are not um, at a stage where um, where there's any kind of verbal um, ability to talk about how they're feeling or what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going from the, the colors to um, recording little sa- little sounds with different instruments we had, and then by the end of it, they could have this kind of beginning to end um, s- sound of what they were, like sound and, and book of, of how, how that year felt, mm-hmm. if you will, I'm putting quotation marks. Um, so that was what I did with most of the kids. Um, and then otherwise, I, tr- I did groups as well with the little, because the classrooms, there was like three kids per class. They really tried okay. to structure it like a family unit. Um, so it was really working. And a lot of time there were siblings. Or, so it was really working at trying to get um, those kids to work together um, and make music together or... Uh, yeah, do activities where um, basically just because you were involved with instruments you and trying to make something sound nice, you had to work together without saying, oh, now we're going to all hold hands and work together. Yeah. So it was started at, it's that, that kind of was, I guess, the starting point to where my sort of backdoor approach of uh, working on non-musical goals started in that kind of environment. Okay, amazing. And in terms of in class, was there any specific class or professor that really reinforced your passion for music therapy or it was really that experience with uh, Ezra? When I went to the school, like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, which was yeah. to go back home and open a private practice. So I, and I okay. wanted to work with kids with autism. That was never, I never was like, oh, I wonder if I should work with like the elderly or not. It was never that question. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more seeing how creative and, and like different, how different of my classmates, where their strengths were and challenges. And like, I think it was, it was so cool to see how different people with different passions were using music. Like I had friends who then went on to, to get accredited in NICU music therapy, which I could uh, never do. The, the patience is, you know, amazing. Um, people who worked who went into um, kind of uh, working at AIDS homes where people are dying uh, and palliative care and all this stuff, uh, working with elderly, that when I did practicums in those departments, I came home and was exhausted every day. Like I couldn't imagine doing that, but seeing how good my colleagues were in those departments I guess really made me feel even more confident in my department because I knew that people in my department that I was wanting to be like they were having challenges and you know maybe it wasn't their strength um and then we had a teacher because a lot of our courses were around music improv and we had this teacher Ruben Gurr who uh basically we learned how to do blues 
Okay. Um, and how to use blues and in every with every instrument that would be available to us, and how to just do it, which is uh, a fireball rainbow song, my favorite food. Every single one of that that type of. So I think maybe that class I really also got me um, motivated to do the the type of music therapy that I that I do. Mm-hmm. So learning how to how to improvise with a very simple structure repetitive to help kids sound so so cool with very very limited a bit like they you don't need to do any you don't need to have any musical ability to do mm-hmm. to, to do, participate, to participate in, in that things. so that's where it definitely have I saw mm-hmm. just to clarify so a master's degree is not a like requirement requirement there's no requirements in Canada right now okay you could be um, a librarian Mm-hmm. And say you're a music therapist. So there's no requirements at this stage. Um, but I don't I don't particularly see the need for for like further education to be good as a music therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the most important after hiring so many people and having um, amazing music therapists and not so amazing ones come through, the biggest, most important quality to have is experience in the field. So not experience in music therapy, but experience, let's say I, my clinic is working with kids with special needs, mostly autism. If I get uh, somebody in here who's a music therapist and has like a PhD or whatever, but doesn't have experience with these kids, it's not going to go well. And I've had people who come in with zero experience mm-hmm. in music therapy, but, you know, have a sibling who has autism or, um, volunteered or whatever, like it yeah. always goes better. So for sure right now, the way it works, at least in Quebec, I'm not a hundred percent on it with the rest of uh, Canada, but you don't need much. You don't need to, you don't need anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you mentioned that you always knew you wanted to have your own practice. How could you just elaborate? On yeah. That? Well, I'll start with that my dad had had his own business um, working with antiques. So not like restoring antiques, making stuff look like antiques, whatever. So not uh, like a regular, let's pretend, Westmount um, parents kind of, not a doctor, not a lawyer, not any um, nine-to-five type of job. Mm -hmm. So I saw that as like a, that was always an option for me. And then, like I mentioned earlier, my friend Charlotte and I, started a babysitting empire when we were 13 (laughs) and that lasted until I was 23 the same year I opened my clinic I was still baby (laughs) I was still babysitting and we were really uh babysitting for the elite of of uh west mount and montreal so for me it's always it's never been an option to work for somebody else Mm -hmm. because of that upbringing and because I was able to be very successful in with my friend Charlotte and, um, and kind of making that work for me. Um, so it always was the case. And, and also there was no private practice in Montreal for music therapy. Wow. There still isn't. (laughs) Um, we're still the only one, but in, you know, in Toronto and Vancouver, it's there, it's, it's very plentiful everywhere else. Um, so I was like, let's get in on this quick. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I'm kind of in the in the same boat right now because I've been babysitting for, well, I mean, since I'm like 12, 13. Yeah. 
And then this summer I was like, oh, I should probably, you know, maybe get a job in a restaurant or something. But babysitting is just the best because I can choose my hours. Exactly. And I love being with kids. 100%. So. Free snacks usually. It's <laughs> exactly. really, you can be outside, you can exactly. do, it's really, uh, and I think that's also where I, I gained the most, um, the most, uh, I guess, ability to work with kids mm-hmm. in general because kids with special needs it's one thing but all kids neurotypical doesn't matter they're gonna have meltdowns yeah. they're gonna have like there's 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 gonna be all like stuff that you have to deal with in babysitting and even even like I because I did a lot of uh, au pairing so I lived with a lot of families in Paris in different parts of the world and in mm-hmm. Montreal too in the summer and like when I was younger I did mother's helper um so even like living within those family dynamics seeing what works and what doesn't work yes for with neuro- neurotypical kids and uh it's not that different like a meltdown is a meltdown and uh of course with with children with autism the meltdown can last much longer but I am never ever shook mm-hmm. by a meltdown no matter what like mm-hmm. I've seen it all so I think that's where I gained the most experience. So 100% for anyone thinking maybe I need to get another, uh, a real job quote. Um, no, babysitting is the best job. So yeah, so speaking of that flexibility, like I really uh, would like to have that in my future mm-hmm. career. So could you just, I mean, I'm aware of like how the procedure is since I volunteered here with Firewall Rainbow Band. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. could you just take me through kind of a typical day? In your you want me to give life. you a typical day today or at the beginning because it's uh, very different. It could be maybe today. Okay, so today um, I work. Uh, I work with clients Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Okay. Generally, I work um, from about eight in the morning until about five thirty or six. Okay. Um, and it's very one after the other. Mm-hmm. I work at a, a school for special needs kids um, from 9.30 until noon-ish, or 9 till noon. Um, and I work at see kids privately here before and starting again at around 1. So um, I see kids all day long, and that's how I like it. Then on Mondays and Fridays, I do admin work, which is booking, uh, answering phone calls, voicemails, Booking new clients, um, payroll, invoicing, all that kind of stuff, which which I don't like, <laughs> and I and took me so long to get good at. I'm very mm-hmm. good at it now, but it took me forever, and it is one of those things where, like that statistics course I hated, kind of paid off in a tiny way, just very small, with my QuickBooks career. Um, but uh, yeah, so the and then I have two people who. Who work here as subcontractors okay. on um, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So I'm on call on Saturdays and Sundays, just in case any, on Fridays, if ever something does go wrong. So mm-hmm. it, I'm I'm wor- I'm I'm thinking I am working all the time, thinking all the time, but at the same time, uh, my life is very. Uh, very flexible, very, like, because I have these two other women who work for me, um, if ever I need to take some time or whatever, like, I, I can count on them to take, a, not all, but some of my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think 
for now, that's what I do. My wife and I are very lucky. We have a cottage an hour away, and we uh, are at our cottage from Friday. Like, we leave on Thursday nights, and we come back on Monday nights. So she works from home also, Mondays and Fridays. So nice. um, basically, it's I'm living the dream currently. Uh, it did take, I would say seven years to get to this point. Okay. Um, and so was there any unexpected challenges you faced that you didn't think of when opening your practice or just getting into this uh, field? (laughs) So many, so many. I was very, very, very lucky. I, when I opened my clinic, I was doing it from my mom's basement, which was illegal, (laughs) which I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was not zoned to be a, um, a business. Okay. Uh, but because I've been babysitting, I was like, I'm just going to do this now because like, I never had to work with anything like that. So I started in my mom's basement for the first six months-ish, and, um, which allowed me to have no rent for six months um, and get very, quite established. I was working seven days a week. Wow. Um, because not full like like a half an hour on Monday in the morning and then like no consistency nothing was definitely not making any kind of money um or anything like that but um so there so there was there was that um that that when our neighbor noticed that there were one too many screaming children walking in the back door <laughs> we we had to so I went looking for a new place I found this place it actually was, this was just a completely open space here. There was okay, no wall wow. or anything. So um, I was able to work with the church at the time to build a space for me, mm-hmm. which really, really worked out. Um, we had several, I had several issues because of being too trusting. So, uh, for example, I had a client um, with divorced parents, and I was seeing... And it ended up being that I was seeing the the kid. It's music therapy, so this is not like psych, you know, psychiatry or something crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it ended up being that I was kind of tricked into um, writing up some like a little details of of the kid's progress for the father, and it was his way to show that the mother had not gotten his consent it so there were certain things that I didn't think I needed like I didn't think that I needed to get to to see what for example if I was seeing a kid who who came from a divorced uh, like family if I needed to get both parents consent if they had 50 50 custody Mm -hmm. on consent because there's so many so there's little things that I I bumped into along the way that I didn't um understand a lot of things to do with taxes nightmare Went through many accountants because it's it's it is quite difficult. Okay. Um, I have, I I went through uh, a year and a half battle with the government um, to get my services that I offer to be tax exempt, under which is under the same law as music lessons. Okay. Basically, because music therapy is a taxable service, but because of the way that we conduct music therapy here which is coming from a place of education. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to kind of go through this whole human rights thing about that our clientele um, weren't able to access 
um, music lessons through the tax-free route. AKA, I, know, I was basically saying you can't give tax-free music to um, neurotypical children and make the parents of special needs kids pay taxes. So I went through that whole thing okay. to get an exemption, which I did. Um, but so there were many bumps in the way, mm-hmm. um, many mental breakdowns. <laughs> I was working for so, because I was, and I was still like babysitting. I had, I, there was a family I'd worked for before and they kept asking me to go on vacations with them, which seems like the best thing ever. And it was, but Basically, I was the two weeks I was taking off was still work. Working. So I was exhausted, um, and I didn't know how to um, slow down. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but everything led to here. So so far so good. Yes. There's always bumps. I'm currently in the middle of bumps right now with uh, different uh, rental situations. Okay. And, and uh, so there's always bumps. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's worth it. You said you had kind of a different approach, like music therapy mm-hmm. in an educational setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'd just like to better understand okay. that. Good. Thank you for asking. So mm-hmm. basically, um, the way that, that we see it here and mm-hmm. anybody that I hire, it, we work, you know, we have um, a very long transition process and we, we work to to make sure everyone's on the same team, same board. Um, any person, regardless of anything, who's active in music get gains therapeutic things without doing anything. Without So there's, you know, um, increases memory, increases cognition. Like, we have tons of studies now that have shown um, children who learn an instrument or learn music um, better with languages, better with uh, the social interactions. Um, it, it expands the brain. We've learned that people who have strokes, who can't speak anymore, if they uh, sing, they create new pathways in the brain to, to make, um, to be able to get to the goal of speaking without using that speech area of the brain. So all we're doing is we're taking advantage of those natural kind of goals that get met when you're doing music. So we're not, so there's, so because, so if, if we have a a client who's, um, who has autism and who may be able to reach the goal of learning an instrument over 10 years, a good example is Sophie. We all know Sophie. Mm-hmm. She's been learning the guitar for 10 years. Okay. She can now do four chords. You should see how proud she is. Uh, okay. She's, she can sing along with it. Amazing. It's taken her that long. Um, but she can do it. So the amount that she's gained in the last 10 years of learning different aspects of music, and it's not always we're doing the guitar. It's, she will learn melody on the xylophone. We'll learn, uh, you know, different types of rhythm f- with drums or different things like that. Just not um, forcing her into a uh, kind of cut out cookie cutter way of learning music mm-hmm. has enabled her to um, grow in, in so many different ways. Her brain 
um, has had access to all of this music and all of that learning mm-hmm. through our, the way we're doing music therapy um, to get to this point. So it's always about the journey to learning an instrument or the journey to um, having access to that uh, learning to write music, learning to, uh, you know, uh, for example, if okay, if we're learning um, the ABCs on the xylophone, mm-hmm. the amount of fine motor skills and gross motor skills you need is unbelievable to do that, okay? You're using both sides of your brain at once. It is so hard for some people to access that and get that done. Mm-hmm. And when you are able to... to actually play that song the skills you've learned are not just that you've played that song but you've actually grown your the synapses in your brain to be able to do all of those things at once um it's it's wild so basically when we say we come from an education place we're talking about the we're learning music the kids are learning music they're coming here to access music Mm -hmm. Um, and they get all this bonus material. Mm-hmm. So if you look on my website, I have like a specific way of how we do it. It's because, I, and I say we're unique in our execution because we are. Um, so we, we worry less about the more spiritual or, um, the more, uh, I guess the more therapy end of it. We worry less about the psychology and whatnot. Okay. Because we leave that to the psychologists and we leave that to um, like professionals who, whose scope that is under. Um, we are really here to help expand the brain using the back way, like the very back way of accessing all of these great goals that can be achieved when you're learning an instrument or in active in music. Okay. Um, amazing. Yes. What are some of the most rewarding uh, aspects or your fa- your favorite parts of your job? My favorite part of the week is girl band. As you mentioned, we have a girl band with eight girls, teenagers, well, with uh, autism. That's the best part. I look forward to that every week. And uh, the girls, we, they've been together for five years. They're amazing. I learn from them every day. Um, so I, that's, I always leave Tuesday nights feeling so full mm-hmm. and satisfied and and uh like it's uh, it's the most rewarding part um other pieces I had I've had um kids who are completely non-speaking um where through music therapy we were able to get speech and have gone gone on to um kind of lead pretty typical uh, lives and you know in in the in that sense mm-hmm. um, so uh, anytime that a parent um, cries that usually the first session parents are allowed in on the first session after that no they're not allowed in and I send videos but you if, anytime that we have a first session generally I feel really good about my choices in life afterwards because um, with music we can tend to pull out potential that they that parents didn't know existed so that's always the best when that happens and they get all excited and I feel really good about, really good about <laughs> myself. Um, I think another thing is, is uh, some of my clients have turned more into families that I've been with for 10 years or 
I've been, this has been, this is our 10th year. So some of our kids I've had for 10 years and, uh, to see their growth and, um, kind of being, because this is, this is, this is a music therapy coming from education. There's not the same kind of, um, restrictions or limitations on, um, how close you can get with a family or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So definitely I have clients that, uh, they'll be I know as a for a fact that I'll be will be in our lives each other's lives forever um so that kind of stuff um is really rewarding especially because my wife and I are not having kids so it really feels um like I'm fulfilling some sort of maternal whatever in my in having um access to that type of growth being able to see that growth which is so cool yeah, you know, we I, I went I I won a few grants um just to open the practice and to and to maintain it um which always feels great. Uh we've had we've been a part of a few documentaries which as so have you. Um <laughs> so that's been cool and uh yeah, just, you know, trying to de- definitely definitely any time I get to uh like improve the quality of life of, of a kid or mm-hmm. that's always, um, that's always so fun. Yeah. Yes. I have to agree that girl band was definitely, uh, an amazing experience. And mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't sit in on any other sessions that you have, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely had the same feeling of always leaving, like really, like I gained a lot and mm-hmm. learned a lot and it was just a really, yeah, really rewarding experience. So I mean, if you don't mind sharing any new new anecdotes or new progress with the girls, I'd love to. Hear yes, about we that. have a new girl band member. Okay. She is nineteen. Okay, amazing. Um, so she's our senior girl band member, <clears throat> and um, she's uh, the other girls are fourteen, and then we have one younger one. Um, the other girls look up to the, this girl. I won't say her name because she'll I, hopefully she'll be on the podcast another time and she Amazing. can she can do that. But the other girls are so infatuated with her. Mm-hmm. She's so cool and like she's she's so uh, you know she is who she is. She doesn't apologize. She's like um, uh, just 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 herself unapologetically herself. And the girls are so like as soon as she walks in, they just like any any typical teen would do girl would do with an older girl mm. who they want to like they see themselves in so that to me right now is the coolest thing and this girl uh really struggled up until now in her life to to have and maintain friends so it's also really nice because every single time she's here she uh she tells me how thankful she is about having a group of friends that she hasn't had that in her life. And that now she feels like that she, she found her place. So that right now is giving me all the life in the whole world. And it's really cool to see. And they're hanging out with each other outside of girl band, which has always been my goal. Um, so that's happening quite a lot. And, uh, then we have two other ones who, are uh, at the same school now and are really getting um 
are really helping each other out at school mm-hmm. when the one sees one getting bullied, for example, or something. They and so I get these kind of reports every Tuesday night about how one helped the other. Oh, um, so right, so see, it's not even. It's it's music, you know. It's that we're learn. They're learning songs. They're making songs. They're they're creating music based on their their challenges, their strengths, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's like so cute. Were you here for the compliment song? No. Okay, so now they have a compliment song. <gasps> we finish every single time because all they want to do is compliment each other, and each girl gets a chance to choose a friend to sing a compliment song to. It's that's, very sweet. That's precious. And uh, so, you know, they're just, they're, it's really about the girls need girls. Uh, it's my number one uh, motto in life. So, and it's not, and we have sometimes, like, it, you don't need to be, we, you know, we sometimes, we have, we have boys who enter. It's not about girls, girls. It's not about the female. Mm-hmm. It's about um, friendship. It's about friendship. So. Yes. It just happens to be the girl band because there's not a lot of activities for girls with autism. Uh, but, uh, man, it's the best. It's amazing. And just when you take on new clients, is there, like, kind of any, like, goal settings or it's more just kind of assessing where the person is at? Like so we don't like, pro- we don't like, le- we don't like knowing too much before we see a client. Okay. Why? Because sometimes we see a client who's non-speaking and I don't need to know about how much speech they've had or ABA or whatever, that it's never worked, nothing's ever worked, this, this. Because if I can just see that kid as, from, as who they are, as they come, and use the tools that we have, which happens to be music, to access parts of their brain or parts of their potential that have not been accessed, I don't need to have expectations based on what I've already heard. Mm-hmm. Because I find, A, the kid's know about the expectations they feel it that's also why I don't allow parents in after the first one because no matter how much they're actually wanting to help um, a lot of the time they're it's hindering to have that type of expectation or whatever sometimes they'll finish the sentence for the kid and I'm like please leave <laughs> um, yeah so um, definitely we don't need much we just I just want to hear I don't need an uh, I don't need a diagnosis either. I get a lot of parents calling, like, we've been on the list for three years for a diagnosis. Like, we just want to get started. Because for a lot of other things, they need an ABA, that kind of stuff. They need the diagnosis. We don't need anything. We just what need to. ABA? Um, applied Behavioral Analysis. It's a okay. type of therapy, which is um, very controversial right now for kids with autism. Okay. Uh, it basically, you're focusing, the biggest focus is on their challenge. Uh-huh. Whereas us, for example, our biggest focus is on their strength and working around building the strength. So, there you go. Fantastic. Yes. Well, thank you so much My for pleasure. taking the time to chat. And uh, I'll be back soon, maybe yes. for a part two. Yes, please. <laughs> So thank you again, Ali, for coming on to the podcast. Um, I wanted to top off today's episode with a recording of the Fireball Rainbow group anthem. So the group where I was volunteering with Ali for almost four years. This is the song that we started every session off with uh, every week, the girl band anthem. So uh, I hope you enjoy and see you all next week for another episode. Bye. One. Two.
A one, two, three, go! Fireball!